0: There was also one game in Medicine Hat. I uh, hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. It was so high and far that the umps couldn't really tell. The fans weren't sure if it was fair. Uh, that was probably the highlight of that season because it was, it was literally a tie game. Uh, they brought in a pitcher to face me. I looked fastball in because I thought he was going to move me back, and he threw a fastball in. I think it was pretty sure it was the first pitch. And that was just like to send your fans, your buddies, everybody there watching it, to hit the grand slam when all you needed the base hit um, was quite a highlight of that season for me.
1: Howdy, and welcome back to the Pioneer League podcast. I'm your host, David Graff doubling up on you on the same day. I hope you guys are enjoying this. It is a fantastic episode with Greg Morrison. Greg won the Pioneer League Triple Crown in 1997 for his hometown medicine hat Blue Jays, as well as he played for the Great Falls Dodgers in 1995. So he played for two teams in the Pioneer League and two different squads two different years he's got some pioneer league history as well as winning the triple crown not a lot of people can say they're a triple crown winner in any sport baseball horse racing basketball whatever it may be so it was special to talk to him about that pioneer league triple crown season we also talked about his entire baseball career greg never cracked the big leagues but he had a fantastic and quite a long baseball career, as well as playing in minor league baseball. He played in independent league baseball, and he represented Canada at a few world tournaments. So he was on the Canadian national team. He was a good baseball player in his own right. We talked about all of these experiences in the game of baseball. He now actually... Medicine Hat no longer has a team in the Pioneer League. They lost their team a few years ago. So he owns the collegiate summer team in Medicine Hat, the Medicine Hat Mavericks. We talked about that as well, his involvement, what it's like to own a community baseball team and what he's up to now when he's not focused on baseball and his team. So this is a great episode that I'm so excited to share. Really pumped up for you guys to learn about Greg Morrison because you've probably never heard of him until right now. And he won a triple crown. I can't say it enough. He won a triple crown in the Pioneer League, which is amazing. It's truly amazing. So without further ado, former Pioneer League triple crown winner, Greg Morrison.
2: I'm joined now by a 12-year professional baseball veteran and a former Triple Crown winner of the Pioneer Baseball League, Greg Morrison. Greg, how's it going today? It's great. I am uh, enjoying the nice weather here in Medicine Hat. You grew up in Medicine Hat. You're still living there now. What was it like growing up there playing baseball? Specifically, Canada is known as kind of a hockey country. Baseball maybe being second, but what was that like growing up playing baseball there?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great community, about 60,000 people. And, and um, yeah, I'm from originally a, a smaller town in Saskatchewan, a, a multi-sport family. Lots of brothers who played hockey. I played hockey. My dad played a lot of baseball. But Nelson Act has a really good Little League system. Uh, we're part of the, actually the Montana State American Legion program. So, you know, 16-year-old kids get a chance to cross the border and play uh, in that American League was outstanding. Um, you know, baseball is America's pastime, and to go and play in some of those Pioneer League stadiums as an American Legion baseball player, and and then uh, later on, uh, you know, being lucky enough to play in the Pioneer League as a pro guy. So, but uh, the little league grassroots system is really strong in Alberta and Southern Alberta and Medicine Hat. Um, you know, we went to the uh, the little League uh, Series last year and and uh, a lot of good baseball people in town, yeah.
2: What was it that made baseball ultimately win out for you? Um,
0: I had a coach. who was a really good coach. He was my high school baseball coach. He had some really athletic kids. Both of them are, you know, national team. I grew up with his sons, and, and he said, you know what, Greg, you're a heck of a ball player. Um, you know, I was still playing hockey at the time, and, and uh, you know, it was just one of those choices that – I had a bit of a distasteful experience in my last year of hockey. And and my coach said, he said, well, why don't you just focus on lifting weights in the middle and and, uh, being a ball player? And, you know, knowing now uh, that's usually the age that a kid can kind of start specializing in that 16-year-old age. And, you know, there was no turning back. I I really wasn't identified even in Alberta. Um, I was a late bloomer. I made Team Alberta and then then made Team Canada. Um, Just really out of nowhere. And, um, you know, I was a mediocre hockey player. I was a you know, defenseman, stay-at-home defenseman. And uh, so I think just having that opportunity to, to make Team Alberta and then Team Canada and then doing really well on the junior national team um, kind of put me down that road.
2: What was your experience like playing for the junior national team? I mean, not everybody can say they, they've experienced highs that high at such a young age.
0: Yeah, it was, it it came really fast in a summer, you know. Um, It was, you make Team Alberta and then from that, you know, the provincial championships, they pick Team Canada and then you more or less know you're on Team Canada within a week. And then you're going to Worlds within another week or two. Um, So it was just a whirlwind of a summer. Um, You know, a kid like me who, you know, really didn't know the game of baseball much, um, they're all of a sudden playing against... uh, Guys like Paul Canerco and, and some of these really, these guys that became big, big name guys um, was just amazing to wear that, you know, Canada across your chest. And, um, you know, you're playing Team USA one day and then you're playing Type A the next day. And, um, it was, you know, probably of all my travels, you know, uh, playing on the national team, on the junior team, and then later on the senior national team, um, I got about eight years out of it to, to travel the world. So, uh, it's nothing like it to, to be lucky enough to play on a national team like that. So, uh, but yeah, you know, in, in baseball circles, Canada we just started coming to, into our own right around 1999 at the Pan Am Games. We were hosting it in Winnipeg, and I was lucky enough to be on that team that we actually won the bronze medal. And I think that really started putting uh, us on the world stage in the baseball world, and and uh, you know, going on to to win the Pan Am Games a couple times down the road. Uh, Canada has some great ballplayers as a lot of people have seen now in, in uh, the major leagues so it's exciting and in
2: 1994 you were one of those Canadian kids drafted from Canada out of a small school in Canada by the Dodgers in the 71st round what was that like yeah.
0: <laughs> well it was uh, ironically I was drafted so late I didn't even know I was drafted no one called me uh, my coach the same coach that I spoke up a little uh, just kind of traditional baseball, America, I think. And he goes, "Yeah, you got drafted." I said, "What?" So it was it was unlimited drafts back then. And um, you know, I, I, the Dodgers had been following me a little bit. And you know, they saw me on the junior national team. And uh, it was quite an experience. There's no way I thought I was going to be offered to sign, but I, I uh, you know, I got offered that year. Usually, they let you go back to school, and you know, I didn't get much money, obviously. Uh, but I jumped at it because, ironically, I never had much of college offers down in the state. So um, you know, to be offered a few thousand bucks to go play professional and uh, you know, being a ball player, and, and at that time, wasn't you know having the, the goal of going to college to play college baseball. Um, yeah, I jumped at that opportunity. So it was pretty exciting for me to be able to go down to Dodger Town and uh, you know, be sitting eating breakfast with. Uh, you know, you'd be across the table from Ben Scully it was eating with Mike Piazza, and, and you know, Dodger Town was very storied for mixing the major leaguers and the minor leaguers. And I think that's something that you're seeing now is they're trying to get some of those big league guys around minor leaguers. And, and um, it was quite an experience because the Dodgers they treated us well at Dodger Town, and it was pretty awesome as a 18 uh, year old kid to go down there and, and learn the game a little bit.
2: So no one from the Dodgers even reached out to tell you that you had been drafted? Did you reach out to them? No, um,
0: I think probably within it was probably within a week or so or a little bit longer, I think, um, that they just let me know that, hey, you know what, we took you in the draft and uh, we aren't signing you. And then later on back that summer, because I went to the national team and did really well against some of those uh, teams that they did offer me, I think towards the end of that, that summer. Uh, But yeah, no, there wasn't, there wasn't exactly a phone call the day or two after, which, um, you know, to me, it wasn't that big a deal either way. It was, uh, it was neat to be drafted and, and then later to get offered to sign.
2: Still pretty cool. Still very cool. Honestly, your first time representing the Dodgers in their system was in the Pioneer League in Great Falls for the Great Falls Dodgers. Do you remember what that experience was like?
0: It was, um, you know, I had a chance to go to extended spring training before that. So I had a good, uh, three, two to three months under my belt, you know, spring training gets going for the minor leaguers in March. So I had March, April, May, halfway into June. So I had some really good coaching, uh, guys like John Shoemaker, who, uh, you know, some guys might remember his name, uh, been around Great Falls in the final league. He was a great, uh, coach, um, coach. But yeah, playing Great Falls was a great community. I had been there before because of American Legion, so it felt a bit uh, familiar to me. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. I had a great host family. Um, big ballpark, though. You know, it was a big high fence. I don't know how it looks these days, but uh, you had to hit quite the ball to get it out of center field. And and that was kind of the old uh, the old rumor that it took quite a quite a to get it out of center field. There, because it, I, from what I remember, it was like four fifteen to center and a. Twenty sets, so there wasn't too many guys banging them out of there in the Pioneer
2: League. Most guys move from pretty far away to come up here and play in the Pioneer League, but you were you weren't moving too far. Were you able to help other guys with the adjustment in terms of living? You know, way up here.
0: Yeah, and you know, especially you know, it, it was the most exciting and most unique because I'm playing for the Great Falls Dodgers. Now it's on our schedule to go play Medicine Hat. So it was quite a thing to be able to come play professional baseball in my hometown against the home team. Um, you know, go eat supper at my parents' house, so we'll have lunch. You know, see them, give them a hug, and then go play and have my friends come watch a baseball game down at Athletic Park, which is where I'm sitting right now. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I knew things were pretty special, even as a young guy. You know, sometimes young young people can maybe uh, be in the moment and, and not step back and see the situation. But I was like wow, this is pretty special because there aren't too many guys there's probably, you know, two, three, four guys from Madison have gone on to play professional baseball. Um, we haven't, I don't believe that anybody that's gone on to play in the major leagues. And, uh, I, I knew it was pretty special to be able to play in that league and, and come home and play against the medicine. Hat Blue Jays. So, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome for me. And, and, you know, letting some of the players from way down South know that, you know, this is the Prairies and, and, uh, you know, Montana and, and the players of Canada, it was great fishing. And, and uh, a lot of guys have made comments to me about, uh, you know, the, the sand bats or the flies or, or how how uh, spaced out everything was, so, you know, because you come from some of these bigger centers in the states to just, you know, to drive for hours on end and, and look out that bus window. So a lot of this was pre-cell uh, phones, right? So guys used to have to keep busy on the bus by playing cards or, looking out the window or reading that sort of stuff you couldn't really just dial into your phone and and listen to music nonstop and that sort of thing
2: What was your host family like in Great Falls?
0: They were great Um, you know that's it's a big part of minor league baseball to be able to take these these baseball players and embed them in the community um, you know and and have families take them in and you know a lot of these minor league models I, I just don't think they work if you don't have that support of the community whether it's you know, corporate sponsorship from the local businesses or host families, and um, you know, it was a, it was a great family. There was a, it was a younger couple. They had a daughter. I think she's around uh, eight or nine. Um, you know, I've lost touch with them over the years, but it was, it was, you know, you become part of that family for that short season, that two and a half months, and, um, you know, you got access to the fridge, and then days off, you get to maybe uh, throw a steak on the barbecue with them and, and learn a little bit about the family and, and the town and the community, so um, you know, that seems like a lifetime away. Uh, so, me now I'm 44, so uh, I would have been 19. So, you can do the math on that, how long that was ago. And, um, you know, it's it's kind funny of how fast time creeps up on a ball player like
2: that. Then the next year you play in Savannah, and then you're unfortunately released by the Dodgers. You take some time off, and then you get a call from your hometown team, the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. What was it like returning to play in Medicine Hat for the hometown team?
0: Yeah, you know, after two seasons with the Dodgers, they more or less said, you know, hey, Greg, you don't have much for, for tools to offer. I was uh, a left fielder, had to hit the decent average, but didn't really have the power that a lot of guys were showing in the 90s. And obviously, some guys are hitting, you know, 20 to 50 home runs in the minors, some of these guys, and I was hitting two. Um, you know, as a young guy, I just knowing how to use that with that. And, uh, after a couple of years, that was it. And, and, you know, sitting at home, literally, uh, making my ball career over. I'm a young guy. I'm, I'm uh, just about 21 years old. I'm doing demolition, walking down, uh, hospital floors with another group of eight, ten guys and literally swinging a sledgehammer every day and, and, um, you know, going, man, this, this is what life's going to be, I guess. <laughs> it was a little different, you know, to play baseball, sleep till 10 or 11 in the morning, but, um, by chance, being from Medicine Hat and, uh, you know, my dad even helped out. He called the GM, and it was like February. He said, hey, you know what? My son got released, and, and the GM remembered me, if you can believe it, from when I played for Great Falls, and he put the call in, and um, it was as simple as, hey, you know what? Let's hire, let's, let's sign this local guy. We got nothing to lose. He's a local kid. Um, you know, I know I wasn't going uh, to be expected to play because when they signed me, they didn't even offer to take me to uh, spring training. They said, ah, you know what, we'll just get you in June. <laughs> I said, okay. So they took me to uh, minicamp, which is about 10 days, and and uh, I didn't even play those first couple games. It was just, you know, I was a first-base outfielder, and um, Marty Katie was our head manager, and he threw me in there, and I think it was day two or day three, and I think I went uh, two for four, and then I went one for four and then started banging some home runs. And, and after that, it was uh, pretty much slated to be in the lineup there in the three or four spot for the rest of the summer.
2: And it's a good thing you were because you had probably the best season ever recorded in the Pioneer League. You won the Triple Crown. You bat four forty eight, You had 23 homers. You had 63 runs and 88 RBIs. Was it just being home that you were in such a groove, or what do you think it was that summer?
0: Well, you know, I say this uh, with with all appreciation that I think almost every baseball player should be released or cut in his life, so that he clearly understands that you can reflect and bounce back from the game. Um, for me, I put so much pressure on myself when I was with the Dodgers. You know, you, it's like you got all these eyes on you, and you want to do well for everybody. But that year in Medicine Hat, I think it was it was twofold. One, it was you know the I of sports specific training now, and I was swinging a five to seven-pound sledgehammer every day. So you can imagine, uh, you know, guys play big bucks to let kids swing and hit tires now in these big facilities. And I was literally, I learned how to swing that bat with some weight behind it, that sledgehammer. So when I picked up that 32-ounce, 34-inch R161, that thing literally felt like a toothpick to me. And I wasn't a big guy. I mean, I'm six feet and a half, um, you know, 200 pounds. Um, But, man, I can remember some balls. I was check swinging. I'll never forget, I check swung on a slider and it went into the right center gap. And it was just one of those years, right? For anybody that at 448, you need to get every CNI single, every ball's bouncing off the base and stand fair. But I just, that ball looked like a watermelon. I was so strong um, from from doing that sledging and lifting weights too in addition to that. So I'd go and lift weights after afterward. Um, and then I had that mindset that, that mindset of, you know what, I'm playing baseball for me for fun. It's like I've been given a new, a second chance at this. And I'm going to go out there and play for me. And I'm going to play, just go out and play like I'm a 15-year-old baseball player. Um And and that, I think, was the biggest difference for me. And, and you know, the Pioneer League, there's some younger elves, too. So, you know, some some guys said, to go, oh, we heard you played in AAA and then went and played back in the Pioneer League. And I said, oh, no, no, I played a couple of years in of, of low A and short A. And they said, oh. Because that was the rumor. It's like, oh, this guy got so good because he was so old and, and uh, played Triple I said, well, I wish I got the A, man, you know? So, uh, for me, I think it was those two things, of, of the psychology of it and really training
2: hard that winter. Do any moments from that run stick out in particular?
0: No, you know, as a team, I was always a team guy, and we had a horrible record. I think we were 20 and 50 or something like that. And, and uh, um, for me... You know, it was, it was uh, dang it. I hit a couple home runs, but we lost. You know what I mean? That, that was me after the game. And uh, I can remember there was probably three to four games. I had two home runs in a game. Those seem to be the things that stick out for me. Um, there was also one game in Medicine hat. I hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. It was so high and far that the umps couldn't really tell. The fans weren't sure if it was fair uh, that was probably the highlight of that season because it was it was literally a tie game they uh, brought in a pitcher to face me I looked fastball in because I thought he was going to move me back and he threw a fastball in I think it am pretty sure it was the first pitch and that was just like to send your fans, your buddies, everybody there watching it to hit the grand slam when all you needed a base hit um, was quite a highlight of that season for me. Um, I couldn't tell you who the organization was that we played if you ask me. <laughs> But, uh, just little, little blips like that of that season of going, man, whoa, you know, just exciting that, that I had such a great year like that. Um, you know, a guy gets hot in those short seasons and when you only got 260 at bats and if you can stay hot that whole season, um, that's still a bit of a run, you know, um, to me, I felt like I had hitting figured out that year, um, and you know, I was very lucky to put myself on the map with the doctors from being a free agent. That was just a local guy being signed to get invited to instructional league in, in September. Um, and it seemed to carry on. Like at the hot streak that I had, I was still hitting good there too. And there you're facing a lot of 40 man roster guys. And and even sometimes some big leaguers trying to get some work in that aren't going to some of the Arizona leagues or that sort of thing or winter bowl. So, I really felt like I was on the fast track and had baseball figured out, so um yeah, you know, it's fun, you know hitters when you talk to them about it that that zone uh, it's uh it's quite a thing to be in that zone when you kind of know it, so it was pretty special
2: I'm sure it was, especially there in your hometown. You played a few more years in minor league baseball and then you played a long stretch of independent baseball what was what was it like to play in in the independent leagues that's not an experience that you hear often about so it's intriguing to a lot of baseball fans
0: yeah um you know i got a couple more years out of the jays and and uh you know it's one of those things where i didn't put up the big numbers like i did in medicine hats and the next year i hit 15 jacks which wasn't bad in the south atlantic league and then the next year i went to the Florida state league and was really tired. That flow of the heat beat the heck out of me. Um, and that was it. They, that was it. Like, um, I got released the next spring training. It, and that's the one thing I wish I would have got one or two more years because, um, you know, if I could have got to that double-A level where the strike zone's a little sharper, um, you know, I was the kind of guy that when the pitch was in the zone, I could I could handle it. Um, but I would chase. And I didn't figure out till I got to independent ball and really – read Moneyball, the book that you know what a walk is not a failure and it's unfortunate but as a as a canadian hitter i didn't really have a good eye for a strike zone and being a late bloomer as a high school kid and then a late bloomer as a pro guy i didn't really figure things out till about my second year in independent ball um you know, I just started realizing that that pitch that's about four to six inches off the plate inside is not a strike. And whether that guy's throwing eighty-eight or ninety-five, I could not hit that pitch. And that was really the pitch that I couldn't lay off of. That that in high A guys could start putting it on my hands a little bit. So when I got the independent ball, it was about winning. Uh, it was about production. It was about you know figuring it out on your own, doing what you can to win. Uh, if you have zero for four, but you win. Hey, that's okay. You know, you're not going to hang your head because you're worried about, you know, something, you know, stress from the farm system. Um, you know, independent was ball was a good fit for me because I was a big time guy that wanted to be out on that field. And whether I went 0 for 4 or 3 for 4, I felt that I could make that team win because I was a bit of a vocal guy playing first base. I was always being positive and, and a positive guy in the dugout had a bit of that, um, you know, that hockey mentality where you'll, you'll hear some of that some of that with a lot of a lot of canadians that play minor league ball um you know guys like stubby clap and reggie Ribard, guys like these that that come to mind that whether they played the big leagues or not they played a long time in the minors because you know if you weren't necessarily the superstar out there guys wanted to be on your team and you wanted to help that team win so i really liked independent baseball about that um you know other thing about independent ball is I didn't really know anything about it. I went there because I was sitting at home and, and uh, cash Beecham invited me to New Jersey to play for the Jackals. And I didn't even know what that was. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad I went because I got to play the game and leave the game on my terms. Um, you know, obviously I played seven more years and, and was hopeful that I would have got picked up and maybe thrown into double A and, and maybe made it the hard way to get to the big leagues. But um, independent ball was, it was good to me. I liked it. Um, you know, you play in some smaller towns, but then you'd go and play in a beautiful stadium in, in uh, Joliet or Schomburg. And, um, you know, the Northern League was amazing into those early 2000s. Uh, there's no such thing as a Northern League. It's kind of scattered a bit. Uh, Can Am League, American Association. Um, but, you know, playing against the Winnipeg gold eyes and then playing for the Winnipeg gold eyes. These were, these were still exciting times for me as a guy in his mid to late twenties. Um, you know, Winnipeg we would be playing in front of six to 8,000 people. Um, so this, this was still big time baseball and, and facing a guy who had just been out of the big leagues two months prior. And then the same guy was picked up and in the big leagues a month later. So we were facing some pretty good baseball players in the independent ball. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to chip away at my university degree uh, from September till May, and and I would go play independent ball. So that's kind of why I kept playing independent ball for so long. You know, seven of my 12 years was in independent ball. So um, it was great. I liked independent ball. I, you know, owning a, a team now, I, a summer college team now, I, I could move some of these kids on that want to play independent ball if they don't get a shot at affiliated baseball. So um, I got great things to say about independent baseball.
2: Do you remember getting the better of any of those former MLB guys during your independent days?
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. See, now, I don't know if this was good or bad, but I would never – I'd always have a short memory on some of these pitchers. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, those guys that I I can remember literally taking a guy deep um, in Kansas City, and then one of my buddies who was a scout signing that guy after that game that I took deep. (laughs) Uh, so, and he was asking me about them. So, you know, I don't know it's funny, but, um, you know, there was, there was some good baseball players in those leagues. I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, we would see even in that league, there was, you know, 20 to 30 guys that would get picked up. And and of those guys, you'd sure as, sure as heck you'd see 5% or 10% of those guys in double A or some made it to the big leagues within a year or two. And, um, I think the attitude has changed towards independent baseball. And like anything, I think it depends on what league, you know, because the independent leagues are although they're not rated, uh, it's very similar to high A or double A. Um, you'll see some independent leagues that are that are really good leagues and some that are good leagues that have a lot of younger guys that aren't necessarily prospects. But, you know, I can't I can't really think of a bunch of names of guys that that I got in independent ball. Um I was lucky enough I looked at the A ball team, I played with the Jays and I think there was eight guys from that Florida State Blue Jay team I played on. Uh, Vernon Wells, Mike Young, Josh Phelps, like there was Bob File. There were seven or eight guys from that team that made it to the big leagues, which is very rare. Um, usually maybe two or three guys from an A-ball team end up ever making it. You probably can speak to that too with the, the Pioneer League. It's, uh, it takes a while for guys to make it that are going to make it, and uh, not too many guys are lucky enough to get all the way to the show.
2: No doubt. Yeah, it's definitely – it's. It's a big deal when you look back and there are eight guys. So I looked at that team in Florida that you were on with Vernon Wells and Michael Young. Do any memories of any of those guys that went on to the big league stand out to you at all?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I can remember that those guys just seem more mature, they seem more polished. Uh, Mike Young was, he was, he would hit usually one or two in the order, Then uh, I think it was me or Vernon. Um, and then, I think Phelps would be around five hole. But I remember Mike Young had an eye. And when you watch him on TV, that's how he was in A-ball. Like this guy could spit on a pitch that was six inches off the corner or something on the black on the outside corner. He would lay off that pitch. And that was what I didn't realize till I read Moneyball. It was, you know, there's so much data now that I think I would have been a guy that if I had someone say, hey, Greg, you're swinging at that low and away pitch at your knees because I was a very aggressive hitter. And guys like Mike, he'd say, hey, man, if I get a walk and I get a knock, that's one for three, right? So for me, I was trying to go five for five and swing at every strike that was thrown to me. And in the Pioneer League, you can get away with that when guys are, you know, 86, 89, 90. But when guys start throwing 92, 93, and they're starting it with a little bit of movement on that corner, it's a strike, but it's not necessarily something you want to swing at. And likewise, with that fastball on the hand, you know, for me, I could swing at that pitch if it was 86, 88, and get to that pitch if it was, you know, four to six inches off the inside corner. But once you get into that 94, 93, you, those guys are going to beat you up. And, and that's what I didn't learn until later on. Um, you know, I was 25, 26, I think, when I read Moneyball. And by then, I was probably already too old for a lot of organizations back then. Um, but, you know, when I look at the analytics now of the data, oh, man, if I would have had that, I, I I know if I would have figured that out a little bit sooner, I might have been one of those guys that could have got to the higher level.
2: It's pretty impressive. It's not something that everyone can say. They hit between two All-Stars, two future Major League <laughs> All-Stars in minor league baseball. What would you say that you're most proud of from your baseball career? You played several years in the minor leagues with some guys who went on to play big-time Major League Baseball and become All-Stars. You played a long time in the Independent Leagues. You represented Canada at m- many different tournaments. What would you say is probably the highlight to you for your career?
0: Um, you know, probably statistically speaking, that Medicine Hat year. Um, you know, I was also swept it- as an all world first baseman in 2000 at the world cup qualifier and, um, you know, moments like that statistically, you know, I'll always say, you know, that's pretty special to me. Um, you know, I think as a body of work, as a career, for me, it was just knowing that when I, when it was game time, the level of focus and the level of effort that I had, I don't ever felt like I turned it off for a game or half a game. Um, you know, I would hustle. If I hit a ground ball right at the shortstop, I used to take pride that, you know, I wasn't a fast runner, but I was running as hard as I could in that one in a hundred chance at the first base might my with that ball. Um, you know, so from a from a career standpoint, I really take pride that I, I did appreciate the game. I love the game. I don't feel like I ever quit on myself during a game. Um, you know, and I got to leave on my terms. You know, I was 30 years old, um, you know, playing and, and had a degree a piece of paper that I thought, you know, it's finally time, um, you know, to go and, and go back home and, and put that physiology degree to work and get into fitness and, and try to see if I can make a career for myself. Um, you know, and I guess the other thing was too, I started getting off of coaching jobs instead of, uh, <laughs> jobs to play first base. That was the other key I think I took. <laughs> but, uh, at all. I think that's really where things were for me on my career now. That I'm in my mid 40s looking back on it. And knowing and, uh, that I, I never quit on myself and got to leave on my terms.
2: Yeah, I didn't even mention you won the Triple Crown in a league. That's something that very few people can say, regardless of the level. You also played for two of the Pioneer League franchises. You now own the baseball team in Medicine Hat. What does it mean to be able to give back to your community in that way and to? keep, you know, that, that fire, the baseball fire inside you?
0: It's, uh, I'm very blessed and lucky. You know, just like getting drafted is a very long shot to be able to, uh, own, uh, a summer college baseball team in your hometown is pretty special. And it's been 12 years. Um, you know, I had about two summers off from being a player that I coached and and helped out with the American Legion team and then took this team over. You know, I'm doing everything from grounds crew to social media marketing to, helping uh, sign the players to doing some of the batting practice when the guys are here. So it, it's, I, I cannot say how lucky I am to be uh, owning a team like this in medicine hat. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a family here. A lot of, uh, you know, my parents and nephews even help out once in a while. and It's quite a mom and pop organization here. And, um, you know, we got enough fans that we're surviving, uh, you know, no one in baseball gets rich by any means in the minor leagues whether it's minor league or summer collegiate Um, but it keeps me around the game and and I feel very blessed to be able to help a guy maybe it's just talking about hitting or um, you know some of my buddies now they're in their mid-40s and they're managers in you know uh, independent leagues or some of them are scouts you know for me to be able to pick up the phone and and say hey you know what I'll send a video uh, of this player is he worthy if you need a guy Um, you know that's that's what it becomes now is what can I do for other baseball players, whether it's a kid from California or Florida that comes to medicine hat to play, that I can help get him to the next level. Um, Or can we take some players over to the school and, and, you know, talk to the grade fours about how important it is to be, you know, physically active and getting outside and and being a good friend and a good teammate. So this is how it's kind of transitioned for me from, worried about what i can do on the field to help the team win to more of a community-based approach and 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 making it more about baseball but more about the community
2: we'll wrap it up here with this what what would you say to some kid who's playing baseball in canada or kids that are coming to play baseball in canada about playing baseball there in canada
0: (laughs) yeah well i mean uh it's a world's game. It's a worldly game. And, and no matter where you are, it's, it's uh, you know, 90 feet around the bases. And control what you can control. And that is when you get into the lineup, play hard, play smart, uh, be prepared. You know, baseball is a game that you can get better on your own. Like, you know, those kids that I'm talking to nowadays that they can't meet up with their uh, friends right now. So, you know, get a batting team, throw a ball off the wall. There's always something if you, if you truly enjoy the game. Um, you know, make the dedication to go out, get better at it, be assumed at the game, and be a great teammate. And I think that'll take guys a long way in this sport.
2: Well, from Canada to the 71st round of the MLB draft to a triple crown winner to now owning his own baseball team, Greg Morrison. Greg, thank you so much for your time and for your stories and everything. This has been a real treat.
0: Well, I appreciate you all uh, thinking of me. It was uh, great to get the call.
2: Not every day that you get to talk to a Triple Crown winner.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. Okay, I hope you guys loved that episode as much as I did. I certainly enjoyed my time with Greg. He's a fantastic guy. And if you're ever out in Medicine Hat, go catch a game. Go watch the Mavericks. Support Greg and his collegiate summer team. So I'm really glad that you guys got to meet him and learn about his baseball journey He's a fantastic guy and an even better story, and there are a lot of stories out there, which is crazy. Not many that are triple crown winners, but there are a lot of different baseball journeys, so I hope you guys understand that and realize that even playing in the Pioneer League, just playing in minor league baseball, if you never get further than single A, it stays with you your whole life. You have these Unbelievable memories, things that you tell people, you can tell your kids, your grandkids, everybody in your life that I experienced these things. I played with MLB All-Stars before they were MLB All-Stars, like Michael Young and Vernon Wells. It's unbelievable. Greg hit in a lineup in professional baseball sandwiched between those two guys. That's just, that's unbelievable that's playing baseball that's like wow and he told you he told you that Mike Young Michael Young was he stood out his preparation for the game his dedication it was on another level so unreal great talking to Greg I'm really glad that you guys got to listen and hear his story it's an unbelievable one as well as learn that He won a triple crown. There have been hundreds of major leaguers that have gone through the Pioneer League. And Greg Morrison, who didn't even reach double A, is a guy that won a triple crown in the Pioneer League. So he stands out. He's got an unbelievable resume and career. And I'm really happy that we got to talk to him once again. So thank you to him. And as always, if you are enjoying what you are listening to, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I love it. I love all the people who've been reviewing lately. I really appreciate them. And it helps baseball fans find this podcast. This podcast is for baseball fans and for fans of minor league baseball and the Pioneer League. I want as many people to connect with this podcast as possible. I want them to learn the history of the league through the stories of the players that passed through the league as well as the media members the guys who spent their time covering this league so i'm really excited for what this is becoming and how many people are connecting with the podcast it's fantastic to see as well as i also appreciate everybody who has contributed to myself and the podcast it's fantastic to see the shekels pouring in if you would if you'd like to donate as well you can donate at the link in the description or you can hit me up on venmo as well all that information is in the podcast description and thank you and shout out to my good friend and musician turn kenny on the tunes he's killing it i love this music it's really great for this podcast it's literally perfect so if you like the music and you want to hear more like it, go check out some of his other music at the links in the podcast description. The next episode of the podcast will drop next week on July 21. There will be no delays, no technical delays. I have all the microphones, everything, all the equipment. Doesn't matter. It'll be ready. Brian O'Grady, who is a Billings Mustang and... He's now a current Tampa Bay Ray. He made his debut last summer for the Cincinnati Reds. It's a great call-up story. Unbelievable call-up story. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that episode with Brian O'Grady talking about his minor league experiences and his major league debut and his call-up. It's a great episode. So listen again July 21. Come back to wherever you enjoy this podcast and please check out current Tampa Bay Ray and former Billings Mustang, Ryan O'Grady.